going to read an entire chapter. I used to apologize. I'm long since that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. should know what it is already. One of the most famous chapters in the entire Bible. You probably got it hanging in your kitchens, in your family rooms. You probably got it memorized, some of you brainiacs. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. Verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. Bishop, will you pray? title of this message is If I Speak. And I want to teach and preach a little bit. And it's been kind of a quieter service, and, and that's all right. Not every service is, is loud, and not every service is fast. Some are slow, some are quiet. But nevertheless, the Lord moves in all. Correct? In Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39, Everything within the Bible is changing. You see, the children of Israel were used to walking and living their lives according to the law of Moses. You ever hear the Ten Commandments? Ever seen them? Well, there was more than ten. There are 613 commandments. But ten of them were wrote down to be the icon to resemble the rest of them. But the Jewish life had to follow 613 different commandments. That was their religion from God. That was the way of life from the Lord. That if they followed the 613 commandments, that that would be obedience. And therefore, they would not sin. But if they broke or they disobeyed or they did not follow the law, then they committed sin. And in order to be forgiven of their sin... They had to go to the temple where the Levitical priests would be and they would bring offerings that would be sacrificed and the blood would be sprinkled on the brazen altar. So they didn't have an altar like this, but this is why we call this the altar. This, this more life tabernacle, the tabernacle in our name, is an image of the tabernacle that was in the wilderness with Moses. Tabernacle, a place of worship, a place where you come to God. We have an altar like they had an altar there. And we have ministry like they had priests there. And we have the Spirit of God here like they had in the tabernacle there. 
But people would come and they would give offerings to be forgiven. Here we come and we, we give ourselves as the offering. And we say, Lord, I plead your blood that you died on Calvary for. And I ask for forgiveness. And the blood that Jesus Christ shed on Calvary is then what forgives us. It washes away our sins. That's how we do things. And when God died on the cross, he began to teach everybody prior to that. He said that the commandments under the law are going to be fulfilled. He was changing their religion to a relationship with him. No longer would it be following every letter of the law, but it would be following every word that Jesus spoke. It was changing. And so in Matthew 22, a lawyer begins to try to trick Jesus. And he says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? So he says, of the 613 commandments, which is the greatest? Because the lawyer's understanding was that you had to fulfill all 613 and that they were all equal. And so he was trying to trap Jesus into saying that one of those commandments was greater than the other, therefore making him commit blasphemy, therefore showing that he was not who he was saying he was and that people thought he was being the Christ or the Messiah. And so he asked Jesus, he says, of those 613, tell me, which is the greatest of them? And Jesus says to him in verse 37, he says, I'll tell you what they are. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. But he didn't stop there. And he said, this is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole concept that God, Jesus, was trying to put into society and into the Jews' religion and in their mind and lifestyle is that all the 613 commandments can be packaged and bottled up into two commandments. The first being, love the Lord with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your understanding. And the second is, you better love your brothers and your sisters like you love God and yourself. All of the commandments are in those two. That when it comes down to it, it's not law, it's not legalism, it's love. It's love. He was taking them from legalism into love. He was taking them from law into love. He was taking them from lectures into law, into love. And then 1 Corinthians 13, it's one of the most powerful chapters. We read it. Everybody knows it, but I want to go through it a little bit. Can we do that? Can we have a little teaching on Sunday? He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, we know that speaking in tongues is the heavenly language and so we'll relate that to the language of the angels. So whether we're speaking in English or Spanish or French or whatever language people speak and there isn't love in the speech if there isn't love intertwined in the syllables and in the words that are arranged then it says that they will become like a clanging cymbal you got a cymbal you go, go clang a cymbal babe this is the sound of somebody that is speaking now don't do it all fancy don't she can do that <coughs> That's what it says, is what is heard in the ears of God. You do it again. But you look good. The words are long and lengthy and sound professional and educated. What do you sound like? God is not impressed by language. God is not moved by words. Hear me. 
He's not moved by words. He is moved by faith. What moves God is faith in Him that we understand the love of Christ is in us and the love of Christ must flow out of us. And when we speak to one another and we speak into situations, it should be words that are full of faith and love in the Holy Ghost. Do you know, I think that this church does a wonderful job of loving people. Our bishop has been a man of love, and I try to follow in his footsteps, and I, I know that myself and my family, love is such a, a short word, but it, it's an understatement of how we, our gratitude and how our emotions are towards people. But my son, if I'm honest, has been probably the most influential example in my life of love. And the greatest example of my life beside Jesus Christ comes from a young man that cannot speak but shows me and has exampled to my life the greatest love I've ever seen. I just talked about what he did for Brother Mark. And on his birthday, one of the gifts that he wanted was a bag of gummies so he could give the gummies to Brother Mark. I've never heard of another child nor young person asking for gifts so that they could give them to people. That is a display of love. When it says that if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. He goes on in verse 2 and it says, And if I have prophetic powers, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. You see, being able to have the power and understand and have knowledge. Do you know that degrees hanging on a wall do not institute love? Some of the most callous people have degrees of theology hanging on their walls. I've seen people that were tremendous teachers of the Word who could unfold the scriptures and lay out understanding. And I too consider myself a student of the Word. But I, I like to look beyond the knowledge and the education that people are more than just hearers of the Word, but doers of the Word. And I have witnessed some people that were raised up among the church as great teachers be very callous in their heart. Extremely callous. And the scripture says that if we do that, we are nothing. There's a saying that says, people do not care what you have to say until they know how much you care. Then they'll listen. Folks, everybody we talk to, everybody we bump into, there must be love. Our motives must be love. Our desires must be love. Must be focused on love. It says or we become nothing. The degrees that hang on the wall, the callings that we do mean nothing if love is not there. Love must be the foundation. The first commandment is to love God with everything we got. And the second is to teach. No. The second is to love. To love before we teach, to love before we preach, to love before we speak. That love must be the motivation for one another. I know that almost everybody in this church is on social media. And I'm sure you follow certain platforms. And I ask you, how much love do you read online? It's filled with opinions, 
bigotry, hatred, judgments, false accusations, false agendas. It's rare that you read online love. And when was the last time you read that this country would have mercy? That this love, this country would have patience? That this country would be long-suffering? That this country would afford people a second chance? The only people that want to afford second chances is backed by political agendas instead of the Word of God. You see, second chances should not have strings attached. Should not have, but if. The Bible says that if somebody needs money, that we are not to lend money to them. This is Bible. It says to give it, expecting nothing in return. If we lend money, that's not love. Because we're going to get back what we've given. It's doing a good deed. Love is giving and expecting nothing in return. It's degrees of separation. Love is the hard choice, but the mandatory responsibility that we must to love. It says in John, now when Mary came to where Jesus was, you are, does not the Lord have all prophetic power? Does he not understand all mysteries and knowledge? It says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove, cannot the Lord remove mountains? But have not love, I am nothing. God demonstrates these by himself as examples in the word of God. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, now this is a man that understood all mysteries. This is a man that knew that he would soon raise Lazarus. This was a man that understood he had the power to raise Lazarus. That this sickness was not unto death. He had spoken it even to his disciples. This was a man that could have quoted it to them. He had the power. He had the prophecy. But it says when Mary came to him, and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, it says that he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. How could the Lord be moved and greatly troubled when he knew that there was victory right around the corner? Because that's knowledge. But the love of God is what sympathized and empathized with the hurting people that were before him. We can have knowledge that Jesus is coming back. We can have knowledge that the Lord will heal. We can have knowledge and faith that He's going to deliver, that He's going to provide, that He's going to bless the people. But we must have the love that also cries when people are crying and also dances when people dance because love doesn't settle on the knowledge but does what is righteous. Love is not knowledge, and it is not faith, and it is not power. Love is something that is the core of Jesus Christ that cannot be put into words, but is demonstrated by our actions. He looks at them and it says he's greatly troubled. And he says to them, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And John 11.35, it says that Jesus wept. Begins to cry. In verse 36, if you put that up there, listen. Because he cried, it says, so the Jews said, see how he taught? See his power? See his miracles? See his education? See his intelligence? It says, see that he loved. Knowing the end from the beginning does not make an excuse for the middle part called love. 
the things we do and the things we treat people and the way we go about things, the ends do not justify the means. There must be love every step of the way. There must be the love of God and the mercies of God and the grace of God that is in us that motivates us when we move and when we do things for people. It's all about love. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Pursue love. Pursue it. That means go after it. Seek it. Move towards it. And it says, And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you might prophesy. What the scripture is saying, people, is that we've got to pursue love. And the power, the answers to prayer, the things we need, the things that will bless us, will follow after the love. When we're praying, do we say, God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I need this. God, I need that. But your pastor got up and said, Key West needs some money. And Bishop said, we've got to give. Before we ever begin to ask, and I'm not preaching on money, but I'm preaching on love. Before we ever begin to say, God, I need, I need, I need. What I want to say is, God, I give it to you. I love you, Lord, whether I have or whether I have not. I love you. I love you, Lord, whether I'm sick or whether I'm healed. I love you. I love this church with all of my heart. I was born here, and by the will of God, I'll die here. But I want you to know that I don't view you as saints. I view you as my family. I know that we don't spend as much time one-on-one. -on -one. There's too many to just be one-on-one -on -one all the time. And we've got to coordinate. We've got to schedule. But if you ever need something, don't you delay. You come find me. I taught in Sunday school today that we're on one road together. It says straight and narrow is the path. It might be narrow, but there's room for all of us. But it's, this church isn't moving left and right, folks. The foundation was laid before Bishop, and Bishop continued it, and now I'm continuing it. This church is on a one-way direction towards heaven. And there's room for everyone. There's enough room for even more people. But it's got to be built on love. It's got to be founded on love. I don't know what you were expecting today, but I'm going to do what I feel led of the Lord, and I'm going to continue to teach. It's been 30 minutes, but I'm going on. If, if you've got obligations, you can leave at any time you want. I won't be offended, but I'm going to teach what God put on my heart. 1 Corinthians 13, 3 says, If I give all that I have, and I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. He said, if I give it all and have not love, I gain nothing. God showed us the perfect example of this. It said when they came to the place known as the skull, that they crucified him there, and the criminals, one on his right and on his left. God, the, the, the Corinthians 13 says, though I give my body to be burned. But Jesus said, though I give my body to be crucified. And while he's being crucified, the Lord utters, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. In the midst of giving his life, the Lord showed that it is never too late to forgive. It is never too late to love. It is never too late of an hour to have mercy and have grace and still make time for everybody. But Jesus, you're about to breathe your last breath. Nevertheless, forgive them, Father. But you're about to cut your life short at 33 years old. Nevertheless, forgive them, Father. But you could call legions of angels. You could call the power from the throne room. You could crush your enemies. You could show yourself to this world. But he said, nevertheless, forgive them. Dad, there's, there's people that will give money in the offering plate because there's a need. 
but they won't shake our hands. There's people that will sing in choirs and they'll show up to Sunday school, but they won't sign up on a meal train. There's people that will sit here, but they won't make a meal when there's a death and there's a, a funeral dinner. But the words don't mean anything, but actions do. And though we give ourselves and sacrifice and attendance to church, and though we put money in an offering plate, and though we attend Sunday school, it's not enough if there isn't love. I know. It seems weird. I'm teaching love to a church full of love, but nevertheless, God told me, so I don't know who it is that's listening. I don't know who it is that's tuning in. I don't know who it is that's here. God's a gentleman. He didn't tell me no names. I don't know any family names, but I do know that the Word of God said, teach love, that if they're going to speak, it's got to be in love, or it's going to be a clanging symbol. If they're going to give, it's got to be in love, or it doesn't mean anything. If they're going to work, it doesn't mean anything if they're not plowing the field in love. We're not under the law of Moses. We're not the, under the law of the UPCI. We are under the law of Jesus Christ. And it's filled in two commandments. Love the Lord with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love each other with the same fervency. I know you can have a hundred opinions about me. You can find all my flaws and failures, but all of that means nothing if you don't love me. Nobody knows me like my family. My brothers and sisters can tell you every dirty, rotten thing I did to them as an older brother. But yet, my brother Zach came up last time we were here and he hugged my neck. What I'm saying is family knows failures and you're all family, right? But behind the judgments must be love. There's got to be love at the core of our relationship with God and with our relationship to More Life Tabernacle. Membership doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it does. I get a tax break. But do you get a mercy break with God? Love is patient and kind. It does not envy and it does not boast and it is not arrogant. Love is not rude and it doesn't insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. They said to the Lord, they said, are you the son of God then? And he said to them, he said, you say that I am. And Pilate asks him and says, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. The Lord was not arrogant, and he wasn't rude. Solomon wrote in Proverbs, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Come on, somebody read that. Hatred stirs up strife. But love covers all offenses. Some offenses? 99%? What, what is it that covers the offenses? Love. Love. First Peter says, above all, keeping love one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. You know what that verse means? Is, have you ever studied it? You ever figured it out? Since love covers a multitude of sins. Covers it. I thought that was the blood of Christ. Yeah, the blood of Christ was out of love. But that's not what that's saying. What that's saying is when our brothers and sisters have sinned and we know that there's sin going on and we know that there's, 
there's faults happening and we know that there's a bad situation going on, that maybe there's addictions going on, maybe there's psychological problems going on, maybe there's marriage problems going on, maybe, maybe there's, there's, just, there's issues that are happening and so sin is a result and it's just spiraling out of control and it, it's just falling apart that when a brother and sister approaches and enters into that situation and brings not judgment, not condemnation, but brings a spirit of love, a heart of love, a voice of love, tears of love, emotions of love. What that love does is that love begins to break through the darkness, begins to break through with the sinful situation, and it latches on to somebody, and it'll show hope to somebody that'll bring them to the cross that the love of Christ might find them. That showing love in a situation instead of quoting scripture to browbeat them with the Bible is greater. The word of God will find them, but what will bring the avenue and the road to them will be paved in love so the word of God can travel to them. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with the truth. I text Brother Jeffrey Jackson. I said, you better watch and we'll preach about you. So if you haven't been paying attention, now's time to listen to Pastor. You're up. Brother Jeffrey and Sister Ashley went down to Texas to give their goodbyes to their grandpa, Holly. And... When they were down there, they were exposed to a person that had COVID. And so he calls me as his pastor and as his boss, and he's like, what do I do? I said, well, you got you to quarantine for 14 days. And that's not a very convenient thing to do when you're limited on vacation and sick days. We are in a fiscal year, and Brother Anthony knows, you know, we, we just roll over July 1st, and so our, our time just restarted. And so Jeffrey, being a young man and not having the years in, doesn't have the time that I have, nor the job that I have. And so his days are tighter than mine. And so he's got to use them up because he went for the sake of his family. And when we were talking, you know, we, we talked that if we were in the world, it would be easier just to lie and say you weren't around anybody and then you don't have to use up your days. But because we're a Christian and because we try to stand in God's righteousness and because we try to uphold a right spirit and because we are fearful of the wrath of the Lord and His judgment and we want to please Him, we try to do good and sometimes doing the right thing costs us. And so Jeffrey did the right thing, and it's cost him. And I told him, I said, the test here is not from man, but the test is from God. Because you've done right, now God will reward. But you weren't being tested of grand blank schools if they found out, and you weren't being tested from your pastor or your boss. What you were being tested from is whether or not you would tell the truth before God. And when we've got love... We don't rejoice in doing wrong, but we rejoice in the righteousness of God in the truth. Proverbs 20:14. Get this. It says bad, bad says the buyer, but when he goes away then he boasts. What this is saying is when it comes to business deals and all you involved in business, pay attention cuz this is the word of God, not Josh. It says when you go to make a deal with somebody, not in church and not out of church, just somebody. And when you go to do a business deal, if you try to devalue the product that's being offered you, and you say, oh, it's not worth that, and it is. Oh, it's bad, it's bad. I would never pay that. And then it says he goes away and boasts. He goes to his friends and says, ha, look what I got for this price. Because you devalued the object for the sake of a good deal. That is sin. Now some of you just got your world rocked because that's how business has been done. And God might be telling you it's time to have love instead of gaining value. 
If we've got to rip somebody off so that we make out and then write a victory report about it, it mocks the power of God. A lot of people looking at the ground right now. That's the word of God. That says a Christian should not rejoice in wrongdoing. It's nothing to brag about how we ripped somebody off in a business deal. Well, the Lord, that's like when you get home and you realize you got 10 extra items and they forgot to charge you about and you write a victory report. Whew, I went to the grocery store and they didn't charge me on these five items. That's not God giving you a blessing. That's God seeing whether or not we're a Christian. That's not a blessing from God. That's God sitting there saying, you're going to do the right thing or not. But nobody will know. I know. That love realizes that's not a blessing. This is a trick and a snare and a trap. And I love God more than I like getting away with free items. We go back to that store and we say, hey, you forgot to charge me. And many times you'll see people that'll say, you know what? Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for returning this. Let me give you a little reward money or something. But then when you get home, you can stand before God and you can say, I did the right thing. Because I love doing right more than I love doing wrong. And it's not that blessing that makes or breaks me. What makes or breaks me is the hand of my Father. And I love you so much I want to please you in every business doing I do. First Peter 4, 8, Above all, keeping love one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. It is our job to not love this world, but love God. To not love evil, but love righteousness. To not love wrong, but to love right. First Corinthians 13, 7, love bears all things. It bears all things. Pastor, I don't know if I can keep going on. Love bears it. I don't know if I can take much more. Love takes it all. I don't know if I can keep going. Love keeps going. Love bears all things. It believes all things. Well, I don't know if I believe what pastor's preaching right now. Love does. It hopes all things. I'm tired of pessimists. Sorry. If you're not tired of pessimists, you are a pessimist. You want to know how if, if you're negative or not? Do you like negativity? Do you like going on Twitter right now and jumping into all the arguments? This world is so negative I want to see people that believe in the goodness and power of God I want to see the love of God rise up within the saints that they, be, they begin to believe and hope in God's ability to come through says it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. If you've got the love of God in you, you can go through anything. Come on, I need more amens. This is the word of God. If you've got the love of Christ in you, the love, you can make it through everything. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We can make it. We're going to make it. Why? Because we are the children of God. Because our name is wrote in the Lamb's book of life. Of life. We're going to heaven. All right, some of us are. The others are still trying to believe what I'm saying. I believe and I hope and I endure all things that come against every one of us. 
I believe that greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world. I believe that if God before us, who can be against us? I believe that all of you are on your way to heaven. I believe it. Why? Because I know my God can forgive and save. I know my God visits the downhearted. I know my God heals the wounded soul. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. There's people who think you don't speak in heaven because of this verse. You're going to speak in heaven. It's not going to be texting. It's not going to be emails here. I mean, how are you going to bend the knee in the afterlife and confess that he's Lord if you can't speak? Somebody, you've been dealing with that for a while and God just gave you an answer. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. We're not going to know each other in heaven. Now, what? Come on now. You're going to know. You're going to know each other in heaven. You're going to know. Well, I think there's some people that don't because I feel the scripture coming to my mind. That says when the rich man died, he said to Abraham, will you send Moses or one of the other prophets back to witness to my family who's still alive? The dead man knew his family wasn't saved on earth. More so knew who Moses was, knew who Abraham was, and was talking. You see, when we get over there, all the love that we've had for one another is going to be bursting forth. And we're going to dance on those streets together. Why? Because we know what we went through to get there. When I get there, the first person I want to speak to is the Lord. The second person I want to speak to is my son. Oh, I love my wife, but I know that I'm number three on that list too. I love my daughter, but I know I'm number three. I know, I know that Boston's number two. I know it. Because we've never had it here and we're waiting for it there. I want to speak to all of you, so don't get your feelings hurt. You just got to get in line. You're not any less in my heart, but you know what I mean. We're going to know one another. Our knowledge of what we went through here is not going to be swept from us so we won't understand. We'll know exactly why. He says you're going to get rewards for the things you've done. What a shame if you walked into your mansion and be like, why did I get that trophy? I can't remember. How did I earn this crown? I don't know. All knowledge passed to You're going to know. Lord, how did you get those scars? Because I don't remember anything. You're going to have knowledge. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. What do you mean we know in part? Who here knows everything? Let me see you raise your hand if you know everything. I know that I don't know everything. I don't know much, but I do know that. And I'm going to tell you something. The situations I think I know, I find out I really didn't know. Am I the only one? We think we've got it all figured out, and then you find out we didn't know it. We didn't have a clue. Didn't have a clue. I totally thought it was like, nope, nope. Why? Because we know in part. We only have bits and pieces. That's why we constantly get it wrong. Why do we always make a mess of things? Because we only know a little bit. But my doctorate degree says I know a lot. <laughs> do you know how many smart, intelligent contractors I work with that have years and years in skilled trades? And they come across something and they're like, I have no idea, Josh. 
I'm like, but you're the master. Brother Don, I know you're a smart man with electrical. And if you answer this wrong, shame on you. But you know that there's things you've got to come in contact with electrical-wise where you're like, what in the world is this? It's why they call doctors, they practice medicine. They're practicing because they don't know it all. But it says that we prophesy in part and we know in part. But that which is perfect, everybody say Jesus. Jesus. That is what it's talking about. When Jesus comes to this earth, the partial will pass away. The partial. Everybody say that's me. That's all our failures. That's all our faults. That's all the things that make us incomplete. Our flesh that's inadequate. Our insecurities. Our, our fears. The things that are wrong with us. Emotionally. Physically. All the things that we're missing. We will be made whole. Sister Beth, I love the fact that you're the loudest person saying hallelujah right now. It says we know in part and we prophesy in part, but that which is perfect, Jesus comes, the partial will pass away. The flaws are going to be over with. Do you believe you're going to go meet the Lord in the air, don't you people? I don't know about you. But I'm tired of being sick. I've been sick for two weeks. I'm tired of it. My wife yesterday was ornery, and she's like, I'm just tired of being sick. Well, she says she's not ornery, but she was. Usually it's me, but it wasn't me yesterday. But you know what it is? It's because we've all been sick and cooped up in a house, and we're so afraid being leaders and being a pastor and being an administrator in a school that if I come around anybody, they're going to be like, COVID! So we quarantine until my COVID test comes back and it come back negative. So I, I it just got a real sickness, you know, that still exists. But we got to stay social distancing because of safety and perception. But we're tired of it. And I'm tired of the negativity in this world and I want the return of the Lord to come. I'm looking forward to knowing you as you really are in God's eyes. I'm looking forward to seeing my son as he really is in God's eyes. What a day that'll be when we will be, we will know as we are known. He says, but when perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. I know it's getting late. Again, if you got to leave, you're not going to hurt my feelings. I understand. My timer says 55 minutes and 10 minutes of that was announcement, so it's 45. It says, when I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I become a man, I gave up childish ways. We, we like to teach that as a, as a person growing up and maturing. But this is in the chapter of love. What it's saying is that when I was in the world, I could be ornery and evil as I wanted to be. But when I was born again as a child of God, and I began to grow as a Christian, I began to understand that it's not the things I said and the, and the things I did, but it was how I did them in love. That as a mature Christian, I understand that though I have all knowledge, though I prophesy, though I give my body to be burned, I'm like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, that the only thing that matters is if I have love. If you're serving God because your mom and dad made you, that's not love. If you're here, mom and dad made me come. That's not going to get you to heaven. You've got to find the reason why they made you come. 
the one that's sitting up there, the one that's walking among these aisles, the one that's ministering, that it is all about love and we've got to fall in love with him. If, if, if you're somebody and you've just been coming because your husband or your wife comes, you've got to come to a place to where you have a relationship with God, where you learn about the mercies of God, where you begin to feel the love of God. You feel the long-suffering and the grace of God. says, for now I see in a mirror dimly. It means when we look at each other, we are ourselves. When we're looking at ourselves in our spiritual mirror and we're examining ourselves, it says that we see very dimly. You know what that means? That means the dark places of our life are blinded by our eyes. And so we look and we say, oh, I'm all right. And we're not. We say, oh, I've got it under control, and we don't. Oh, I'm doing the right way. I'm living right, and we're not. Because it's very hard to examine ourselves in a dark mirror. But it, then it says, this is talking about that which is perfect when he comes. But when he comes, then I'm going to see face to face. Meaning everything is going to be revealed, and everything is going to be made known openly. That everything will be exposed and everything will be bright as the sun. Now I know in part, then I shall fully, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. When the Lord comes back to this earth and He calls us home and things are wrapping up, that everything we've done in the shadows is going to be revealed openly. Every gossip that was whispered in secrecy is going to be blurted out into the open. Every sin that was swept under the rug is going to be uncovered. The only thing that will wipe away everything is the blood of Christ. And the only thing that we're going to be judged on if our name is wrote in the Lamb's book of life is how much love we had shown. He said the works of the righteous, the works of the righteous, is what's cast into the fire. And the works of the righteous will be shown to be wood, hay, stubble, or precious gems. What goes through the fire is not whether or not we're saved, but what we did while we were saved. That's the Bible. Love is what will be the determining factor. And I'm closing if the musicians would come. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us. See what kind of love the Father has. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, this is all of us. Everybody listen. Everybody read, please. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as he is. <laughs> we cannot play games with God and with one another. If we say hallelujah, it's got to be out of love, not because it's rehearsed. If we say amen and praise God, it can't just be habit. It's got to be out of a heart that loves God so much what we're saying is Lord. Hallelujah! Hallelujah for the healing. Hallelujah for saving me. Hallelujah for forgiving me. 
Hallelujah for finding me in darkness. First Corinthians 13, 13. This is the end of the chapter. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. If we love God, then we will spread hope to our lives and to other people's lives. And if we love God, we will speak faith to one another and encourage one another. Brothers and sisters, if you'd stand, I'm going to read one more portion of Scripture and then we're going to open this up. 1 John 4.16 says, So we have come to know. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. That God is love. Do you believe that? And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. If you want God to abide in us, then we've got to abide in love. If we abide in jealousies and hatred and hurt, we're not abiding in God. We're abiding in defeat. We've got to put it all out. We've got to cast it out. By this, love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of... Love is what will give us our confidence that when the day of judgment finds us, we're not being judged whether or not we're saved. We're being judged on how much our love went forth. Because as He is so, also we are in this world. Verse 4, verse 18 to chapter 4. It says, there is no fear in love. There's no fear in love. Everybody say that. There's no fear in love. But perfect love, it casts out fear. That's what's going on in this world right now. Everybody's afraid of a pandemic. Everybody's afraid of being politically incorrect. Everybody's fearing for their jobs. Everybody's fearing society. Everybody's fearing the election. Everybody's fearing this and fearing that. But it says if we've got the perfect love of Christ in us, if we've got that perfect love, what it does is it casts out fear. It's not arrogance. It's not pride. It's just saying I know that my God's got this. Why? Because I'm a child of God and His love has found me. If you're living in fear, I pray in the name of Jesus that the love of God would find you today. That the love of Jesus would touch your heart right now. Because it's not His will that you're in fear. It's not His hope that you would be in dread. There is no fear in love, but love, perfect love, casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. If your name is in the Lamb's book of life, hear me. I don't know where everybody gets this doctrine, this thinking, that if your name's there, you still got to go and be judged, saved, or unsaved. That's not the Word of God. The Word of God says if your name's in the book, you're there. And the only judgment that you stand for is what you did on earth. Your works of righteousness are then tried. It's the damned that go before him for judgment that we think of. And that's why it says the perfect love of God casts out the fear that we don't fear going before the Lord in judgment because our name is recorded in the book of heaven. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. We are heaven bound. 
the last verse, and then I'm going to open this altar up. We love because He first loved us. I'm not pastor of this church for money. It's not my full-time job, financially. I'm pastor of this church because of one thing, my love for Him. My love for Him. And you're not saints of this church to belong, to get a membership card. You're saints of God because you love Him. Moms and dads, you bring your children because you love Him. Bishop's not bishop for title and accolades and honor. He's bishop because he loved God so much he said, I'll dedicate my life that I might help others. They're up here singing again and playing. You've been playing a long time, but you sat for an hour, so you're all right. She's about to marry that guy back there. She loves him. But David, if she loves you and not God, you got no business being with her. She's one of ours, and I'm saying it. And if he doesn't love God, Reagan, there's the door. Everything we do has got to be with God and our love for Him first. Everything we do. Whatever it is, this has been a very different message, a very different service, and I know you're tired. I know it's been long. But sometimes we've got to have a long message. Sometimes we got, love endures all things. You endured your pastor. I'm opening this altar. Whatever it is, and, and I think there's multiple things here. Whatever it is that God's been dealing with you about in your life, I want to open this altar. If you would come and begin to find a place to prayer, and, and if you don't feel comfortable at the altar, please pray right where you're at. That's all right. And I want us to begin to say, Lord, search my heart. Lord, I love you, but Lord, teach me to love you even more. Help me, God, to love my brothers and sisters. Help me to show love in the workplace. Help me to show love at school. Help me to show love at home. Help me to show love towards my husband and wife and towards my children. Lord, I've got to know your love. And I've got to show your love to people. Would you all come? This altar's open. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray your love over this congregation. Lord, I pray you'd minister to these wonderful people. God, Lord.